Over the past few years, I have asked you guys to give me a rating and review. And if you've done that, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. It's so helpful. But if you haven't, I get it. I kind of get it. Like, I'm asking you to go and click on this thing and then like, how do I do it? And then I have to come up with some kind of a review and I don't know what to say and I'll do it later, right? I, I get it. I've, I've kind of been there before. I, I know exactly how you feel. And so I'm not asking you to do that now, okay? What I'm asking you to do now is so easy. Anybody can do it and it literally takes like one second. Go into whatever you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on, they all have it, and just click on the subscribe button. Just subscribe. It takes one second. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to come up with a review and write it all out and you know be self-conscious about it. Just hit that subscribe button. That would be so, so, so impactful for me. And if you're enjoying this and getting a lot out of it, that would mean the world to me. It really would. And it's so easy. Anyone can do it. Like, let's literally stop listening right now. Stop listening. Go and do it. That's how much it means to me. Nobody ever asks you to leave their show and stop listening for anything. But I'm asking you to stop listening right now. Go and just quickly subscribe. Come right back and take a listen. That would mean the world to me. I would really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And I really appreciate it. Thanks. We just did this in our business. We bought a house that was in pre-foreclosure. We caught them up on payments and stopped the foreclosure process. And then we bought the house. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey, thank you for being on Just Our Real Estate or listening to it, I should say. You're not on the show, but however, if you want to be on the show, reach out to me. If you're an investor and you've got a cool story, you never know. We might have a chat, but uh, you are here listening today and I appreciate that. I have another great live Q&A for you. This one was super fun. Lots of live participation, which always makes it more fun for me. Um, I love it when you guys send me questions and I can put those on the, uh, the Q&A and it's fun to answer those questions too, but the live participation, I'll be honest, it jazzes me up. It makes me really, really energetic and it's a lot of fun. So that was fun. We had a good one this time and a lot, of, like I said, live participation, uh, people telling me about some of their wins. Uh, we discussed wholetailing kind of at length, uh, what that is and what's an example of a wholetail. It's a little bit different than a wholesale and it's different than a retail sale. Um, as you can imagine, it's sort of in between. It's, it's something in the middle of those two. It's sort of a combination. Um, we also talked about dispo and uh, what happens, why someone may not not be able to sell a property right now. What happens when you have a property and you're just not selling it as, as fast as you want? It's not selling for what you think it should sell for? Like, what are, what are the levers you can pull and how do you diagnose a dispo problem? We talked about that at length. We also talk about short-term versus long-term rentals, why one of the one or the other could make more sense for you and just tons of other stuff. Just It was a lot of fun. We had people asking to be on the podcast. That's why it was kind of on my mind here saying at the beginning of the show here, people were asking, how do I get on your podcast? Uh, and so just kind of a cool, fun, free-flowing conversation that I had a lot of fun doing. So guys, this one's a fun one. I hope you enjoy it. I give you my latest Q&A.
Okay, we are live. Thank you for being here. Uh, this is my Wednesday Q&A. Uh, surprise, surprise. It is Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. We're here for you, 4 p.m. Pacific, to answer your real estate questions. I am live on all the platforms that matter. Uh, Instagram's a little tricky, but I am on Instagram now, live. So if you want to ask questions on Instagram, you can do that, or you can hop on over to Facebook, uh, or um, you can hop on YouTube, whatever you want to do, right? Wherever you are, go ahead and, and pop your questions in the chat and uh, I will uh, try to answer them. Instagram's a little different. I have help on the back end with all of my chats and everything that's going on so that I can just pay attention to what I'm talking about. Instagram's a little different. I have to monitor that. So uh, I'll be trying to check Instagram as we go here. So if you're on Instagram, you're asking questions, please be patient. I'm going to try to get over there and, and make sure I'm, I'm addressing you guys too. Uh, but, you know, we get these questions sent to us every single week uh, via email, via DMs, via, via everything, right? People just reaching out, asking questions, and I try to answer them. Uh, inevitably, I get I get questions about how to get leads, how to get more leads, how to drive leads into your business. We know right now we are in a seller's market. Whether or not you're the person who believes we're in a recession or that we're going into recession or that house prices are going to fall, that the market's going to change, it's going to crash, whatever you think, it doesn't matter. Right now, most people will agree, most everyone that I know and, and a lot of experts who are paid to know, still say we are in that seller's market. We're still kind of at the top of the market. It's slowing down. It's cooling off in a lot of areas. It may even be starting to drop slightly, but under no circumstances have I talked to anybody yet who said prices are dropping or that you know it's starting to crash. I don't see that. So the question that I get is, should I start investing in this market or should I wait? It's too hard to find deals. I've done a few deals and I can't find more. Maybe you've done a ton of deals and you're struggling to find more deals. Well, I can tell you this. I know hundreds of real estate investors and I know dozens that I would consider to be incredibly successful, multi seven figure uh, over the last you know, 5, 10, 20 years, like really sustained success in real estate. And all of them, all of them will tell you that they've gotten the vast majority of their deals from direct mail. Direct mail is just uh, a fantastic way to find deals, a fantastic way to get deals, a fantastic way to grow your business. Now, it's not the only way to get deals. I'm not trying to suggest that. But if you think direct mail is dead or that it's ineffective, I would say you're wrong. I would challenge that. I just know too many people in too many different states all across the country who are using direct mail successfully. And I am one of them. I have used direct mail over the last six, seven years to get over 500 deals and well, you know, seven figures plus, like multiple seven figure deals. Uh, over that time. And what I've done for you, because I get this question all the time and I show people how to do direct mail and I'm happy to do that, but it's always a one-on-one -on -one thing. And I always get the feedback like, hey, that was great. I'm getting deals. I just got that message just this week. Hey, I did exactly what you told me to do. And now I'm getting these leads. I'm getting these contracts and now I'm looking for money and right, they go on to the next thing. So what I've done for you is I've put together a program called winning direct mail, all right? Because I know how to win the direct mail game and I want you to win the direct mail game. And so if you go to my website, it's on the screen if you're live. And if you're on Instagram, I'll tell you what it is. You can go to mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. That's mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. It is a free video course. 
it's like a mini course. It's not super long. It's not going to be, you know, dozens and dozens of hours and, and something that sounds daunting. Cause I, I to be perfectly honest. If someone said, I've got this course for you, it's going to be awesome, but you have to sit through 15 modules that are three hours long. I would just go shoot me in the head. Now I'm not going to do that. Right. I don't have that kind of time. I want to, I'll figure it out or I'll find a, a shorter version of what you're trying to give to me. This is, this is not that extensive. It's not that long. It's very, very doable. Uh, it's five videos. And I would say on average, they're like 15, 20 minutes. One of them I think is a little bit longer and some of them are a little bit shorter, but it's, it's very consumable in a short amount of time. And it takes you through my direct mail process from A to Z. You see everything that I do in direct mail, everything that I've learned by spending a million dollars over the last seven years, like over a million dollars I've spent on direct mail, learning what works, learning what doesn't, and all on my dime. And you can take advantage of all of that learning by just downloading this free course and watching it. It's very simple to consume, very quick to consume, and you will be able to build a direct mail marketing channel inside of your business that produces leads and produces deals, okay? So go and grab that, it's free. It's at mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail, go grab it. Okay, let's dive into the questions for this week. Uh, the first question as it gets loaded here up on the screen, Okay, first question, what does wholetail mean? Can you give an example of this type of deal? Yeah, very simple. So let's just talk about what people usually, because wholetail is sort of a hybrid um, term. And so it comes from two different terms. It comes from wholesale and retail, okay? A wholetail, I'm sorry, a wholesale um, uh a uh, real estate investing deal, right? A wholesale is what my company does a lot of. We go out, we do a lot of marketing, like direct mail, for example. We do a lot of marketing and we find homeowners that need or want to sell their house. Usually they want to sell it relatively quickly. There's usually a lot of deferred maintenance and there's issues and challenges that they're going through. But we go and identify these homes and these homeowners who need to sell their house and going a traditional route like a realtor isn't a good option for them for various reasons, right? Which doesn't really matter for the purpose of this explanation. So that's wholesale. We find the property, we get it under contract, we take that contract and we market it out to a list of private buyers that have identified themselves as someone who's interested in buying a property to usually flip or hold it as a rental. And so we have this list, and, and in our case, it's like 4,500 buyers. And so we get this property under contract from the seller. We take that contract, we market that contract out to our buyers. We mark up the price, right? We charge them a, a little bit on top of the purchase price. They raise their hand and say, yes, I wanna buy that property. We agree on a price. And theoretically, all three of us go to closing. The seller gets their money. The buyer brings in the money to pay the seller and also to pay my fee. And then the buyer gets the house and I get the fee in the middle. I'm sort of a middleman that way, right? So that's how wholesaling works. I get something under contract. I sell that contract to an interested end buyer. We all go to closing. I get paid. The seller gets their money. The buyer gets the house. Okay, that's wholesale. Retail is what everyone pretty much knows, right? If you want to sell your personal house, for example, you call a realtor, they put it on the MLS, they try to find uh, interested buyers who are going to live in the house, and then you sell your house to them. And that works in the in the investing world too. Usually that's what house flippers do. They buy from um, the MLS or they buy from a wholesaler or they go direct to the seller, whatever, but they get something under contract, they buy it, right? They put up the money and they buy it themselves and then they renovate it 
and then they sell it at retail price, right? Full market value. That's the goal, right? For a, a house flipper, they want to sell it whole market, full market value, all the way at the top. If the house under the best of conditions is worth $250,000, they're aiming to sell it for $250,000 or more if, if they can, right? So that's retail. So on one side, you got wholesale where you don't need any money. You just find the property, you find a buyer, you put everyone together and you get paid. Retail, you buy it, you renovate it, you sell it, but you have to come up with the money. Okay. Wholesale is a mixture, right? It's a, it's a, it's a hybrid of these two. You're not fixing it up to be ready to sell for top market value, but you're not just selling a contract. So in a wholesale situation, me, I do this as a wholesaler. I find a property, I get it under contract. I go to closing and I, I buy that property. Uh, in most cases, I do maybe a little bit to it, maybe nothing, but I, I buy that property, I put it on the MLS, and then I sell it to an end buyer who's usually going to be someone who lives in it. That's usually when you sell it wholesale. So the reason why you call it wholesale and not retail is I'm doing either very, very little or nothing to the property before I put it on the MLS. And I'm not selling it for, you know, in that case of the $250,000 being top of the market, I'm not selling it for $250,000. In a wholesale situation, a lot of times I'm buying it for, let's just say $150,000 and I do nothing to it. You know, it's really dated. It needs a lot of work, but I'll put it on the MLS. Maybe I'll clean it out, just get the junk out of it. And then I bought it for $150,000. I'll put it on the MLS for $175,000, let's just say. Or, or maybe 200 at the most. And then somebody will come along and it's not, you know, I'm not charging full market value. So they're getting it, they're getting it with some potential equity there. Maybe they're buying it for 200 and they know they could do a little fix up over the years or over the course of time. And then they could build in that equity, but I'm still making money without having to do all the headache of renovating it and taking all the time and energy and having to raise the money to renovate it too, right? I'm just buying it, putting it right back on the MLS and selling it kind of as is or very, very light work. Like usually a wholesale, you're doing well under $10,000 worth of work, usually well under 5,000. Maybe the cost to get a dumpster and clean out everything. And maybe, you know, if it has carpeting that's like molded or something, you'd get that out of there too, right? Before you put it on the MLS. Like you just get rid of anything that's gross or, you know, molded or junk or whatever. And you just kind of clean it up a little bit. Sometimes in a wholesale situation, people will put, uh, they'll they'll put maybe new carpet and new paint, but they won't replace the kitchen, which is dated and old and ugly or whatever. And the bathrooms are dated, old and ugly and whatever. They, and the roof maybe is in not great shape. They won't do all that, but they'll just like paint and carpet so that you take something that feels really disgusting when you walk in and you give it that smell of fresh um, carpeting, the smell of fresh paint. And psychologically, you know, you may spend $5,000 doing that, but you can ask, you know, twenty thousand dollars more than you could have before you did that. So sometimes people do that in a wholesale situation. Very light, if any, renovation. Put it on the MLS and sell it retail. So that's that's what a wholesale is. You're 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 not really going all the way to do a full renovation, but you're doing more than just selling a contract. You're actually taking possession of this thing and then put it on the MLS as is usually. So that's wholesale. All right. Next question. I'm gonna grab a drink while I'm waiting. Hey, Nick, how you doing, man? Okay, uh, let's see here. Nothing on Instagram. All right, cool. Nick, do you buy houses when people are in the foreclosure process and they have about a month till the property goes to auction? Yes, um, we just did this in our business. We bought a house. 
that was in pre-foreclosure. We we made we caught them up on payments and stopped the foreclosure process, and then we bought the house. So yeah, we do do that. If we can get in there, and we usually can. I mean, if if you get in there with any time, right? As long as, um, as long as you can get them caught up. If, as long as you're not beyond the point of no return. As long as the the um, the homeowner is not beyond the point of no return, we will absolutely get in there and save that from going to auction or even going to foreclosure. We'll get in there and stop all of that by catching them up. But when we do that, we usually have them um, deed the house to us. Right? They'll sign. They'll sign. They'll they'll uh, quit claim the house to us. And so we you know we own it. We don't we don't uh, record it right away because we want to get the house caught up first in their name once we stop the foreclosure process then we can um we can uh record that 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 um quick claim deed and and go through and buy their house so that's how we protect ourselves by the quick claim deed but we we have done this recently we we caught somebody up and then bought the house and it was a good situation for us because they didn't want to ruin their credit they didn't want to go through that whole foreclosure thing and so we were able to come in and and stop all that and save their credit and also get a good deal on a house so yeah we do we absolutely will do that i mean i think a good real estate investor for the most part will do whatever they need to do. Everybody just has a different threshold of pain that they're willing to endure for a deal. And I don't think that in my company, for me, that that threshold of pain is not um, incredibly high. Uh, I'm not gonna, you know, do like the most convoluted, crazy, stressful thing in the world to get a deal. Uh, but we will do some stuff, and I don't consider this to be a huge, um, a huge pain. So. Yeah, I, I think that uh, we should do whatever we need to do as investors because that's how we ultimately grow our business and we succeed. We don't just always take the cream off the top, right? Sometimes we have to do other stuff. Okay, real quick, I got a, a question here from Detroit Investor. Do you still do your podcast? Do you ever listen to my podcast? Yes, I do my podcast. It's done every single week. I've been doing it since 2013. Absolutely. Um, and if you haven't subscribed and if you haven't given me a rating or review, please do that. Um, okay. Uh, but Detroit Investor says, how do I apply to be on your podcast? You can send me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com. Uh, that's mike at juststartrealestate.com. Reach out. Tell me that you saw me on Instagram. Um, give me some background on who you are. I'll be perfectly honest. We we get requests all the time, every day, by tons of people, and we turn most of them down. We just I just have to at this point. There was a point years ago where I just anybody who asked, I would have them on the podcast, but um, we can't do that now. We just have too many people asking, and so there's a lot of no's. So, but reach out. Um, tell me why you think it would work, and I would suggest if you haven't already, listen to a bunch of episodes so you kind of understand the podcast. And if you think that you would be a, a good addition, if you think that you'd be a good guest, and you bring something that would be good for my audience, just send me an email. Let me know what that is, and uh, we'll take a look at it. So, cool. All right, uh, Nick. No problem. You are super welcome, sir. All right, next question. Awesome, Corey. Yeah, that's right. Doing your first wholetail now. I love it. I love it, man. How's everything going, Corey? You uh, rocking down there? I'm sure you are. So that's good. Wholetailing right now, by the way, in this market and over the last year and a half for the record, wholetailing is great. It's, it's absolutely like you really, and we do this a lot in my business. We take a lot of properties and put them on the MLS right away just to see what, what's going to happen because a lot of times you can sell for so much on the MLS without doing anything like a wholesale. Um, it doesn't even make sense to flip it. 
for me in my market. And I think a lot of people, this is what's happening. So um, yeah, you should definitely be trying the wholetail route if you can. Okay. Corey says, Mike, on a wholetail is staging and pro... No, 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 no. I don't think so. You're not going through the effort of renovating it. You're not going through the effort of putting appliances in it. Like you're pretty much just buying it and throwing it on the MLS as is or cleaning it out, doing some light clean out, or if they were a hoarder, maybe a little more clean out. But nope, no, no, no. Don't stage it. Don't do pro photography. Go in there with an iPhone, take some pretty good pictures because the idea is to get it up there and go down and dirty quick, right? Get it up and just take advantage of this hot market. We're in the summertime. Like, it's about as hot as it's going to get right now for a while. So I say, no, don't worry about all that stuff. Now, if it doesn't sell, then maybe you got to go a step further. Maybe you do want to renovate it. Maybe you do want to stage it, right? But I say the spirit of a wholetail deal is you don't do all that stuff. You don't go the extra mile to stage it and pro photography and renovations and all that, right? You go, you get it up there quick. You get that, you get that quick sale and you move on. So um, cool. All right. Eight deals and counting. Woo. I would like to think that I had some hand in that. I didn't have everything to do with it, but Corey and I have been talking and uh, trying to help him grow his business and get through some challenges and stuff like that. So I'm super psyched, man. I'm happy to even just have seen your progress. So that's awesome. Congratulations. You deserve it. You're a good guy. You're a hard worker. You've got a good shoulder and a good head on your shoulders and uh, you're a good investor. So way to go, man. Proud of you. Next question. My husband and I are ready to start looking for our first property, but we can't decide between a vacation home versus a single family home nearby that would have regular renters all year long. Thoughts? If you want if you want steady rent checks all year long, then I would suggest a single family home nearby. If you want maximum ROI and the ability to have uh, a property that is, is is a true business, like a little mini business that has the ability to produce far more than a than a long-term rental than single family home. But realize there's a big difference between a long-term and short-term rental. A long-term rental is a little bit set and forget, especially if you use management. You find a renter, you do background checks, you vet them, you do all that stuff. You get them in there and then theoretically, you just get a check every single month and you, there's nothing to think about or do, right? Short-term rentals can produce higher revenues. They can be more profitable for sure, but they also require more work. Every two to five days, maybe two to three days even, you have turnover. You have to have someone go in and clean. You have to you know, welcome new guests. You have to answer some questions over and over again about, you know, where do I find towels? Where's the extra hand soap? Like what's good around here to eat? What are the restaurants? Like, you know, you, you're, you're running like a bed and breakfast basically um, that you don't have to be there. You don't have to make them breakfast obviously, but you're running a hospitality business with a single family rental. It's in every week, most days you have to be on it. You have to be doing something and you have to be working to produce this income. You can also use a management company for single family rentals or uh, short term rentals, I should say. Um, so it, it can be done. But I know most people who have short term rentals, especially if they just have like one, they're not using a management company. They're doing it themselves, which means you are involved. It is an active business. It's a hospitality business. It's a mini hotel that you are running. It's a lot more work. 
If you don't want that work, if you want it to be much more passive, then I would suggest the single family house nearby, get renters in there, you know, 12 month lease, 24 month lease, and just collect checks and, and be done with it. That's so it really depends on your lifestyle and what you're looking for. If you're like, hey, I'm only going to buy one house ever as a rental ever. And I need to get the most out of that house. It, I need to squeeze every dime possible out of that house. Then it's going to be a short term rental and you're going to have a little bit of extra work to do. You're going to run that hospitality business and you're going to have to be active. But if you're like, nope, I'm going to buy a dozen of these things and I do not want to be involved with them every single day or every single week. I want them to produce mailbox money for me and I don't want to have to get super involved. Then you want a long-term rental in a single family home, you know, in a, in a subdivision somewhere on a street and, and just renovate it and, and get it, somebody in there and, and just collect rent checks like that. That's it. Right. So it really depends on what you want and what your activity level that you're interested in having in this house is. So, um, that is, uh, that's what I would say. All right. Hey, uh, Jason Smith on Instagram. Anna, let's see, Anna Colic, Anna Colic. I'm not sure how to say that, but hello. How are you? Uh, Detroit investor still hanging in there. Good to see you. All right. Uh, Kyle Schmidt. Hey, Kyle. Uh, that's awesome. Corey, I'm right there with you working on number nine. Yes. I love it. I love to hear. I love to hear my people succeeding. That's good. Congratulations, Kyle. That is awesome. And I'm super glad to hear it. And if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. If you guys have not grabbed my Detroit, my uh, direct mail course, it's free. Go and get it. It's free. <laughs> it's it's free. So if you ever want to know how to do direct mail um, and just kind of piggyback off of all of the pain and suffering that I've endured over the years trying to figure it out, that's how you do it. Go and grab it. All right. Let's see. Next question, guys. Next question. I have a whole... Oh, Kyle, next question is from Kyle live. Hey, Kyle, I have a wholesale deal that I'm trying to dispo, but having trouble finding a buyer. Any tips in a changing market where many buyers are slowing down? Wow, your buyers are slowing down. Here is here is the my prescription. And we can talk like the rest of the night, all day tomorrow, and for the next month without me taking a breath about dispo. I love talking about dispo. It's probably the thing I'm best at in this in this business of, of wholesaling and flipping and, and all that. So I have a lot of thoughts on it, but um, the remedy for a dispo uh, situation that is not going well, almost always the best remedy is to grow and improve your buyer's list. I have um, buyers on my list and I don't remember what city you're in, Kyle, but I can tell you this. I don't think we're in a situation right now where buyers are getting out. I just don't think that's happening overall. In my market, we just had a meeting last Thursday. We have meetings every Thursday morning to discuss um, all the deals and what's going on and get a pulse for my business. And last Thursday, my dispositions manager told me that he has our buyers on our list calling us constantly saying, what do you have? I need something like, tell me anything you have. I'm interested, like show me, I want to buy it. Like, come on, I need something. I'm, I'm dying for deals. And so I think that's what most people are experiencing right now in their world is that they have more buyers wanting more deals than they can service. So if you're struggling to dispo a deal, it's almost always one of two problems. Either it's a bad deal and you think it's a good deal, but it's just not, or 
you don't have enough good buyers on your list. Because if I bring a mediocre deal to my list and send it out, offers, offers coming in like crazy because my buyers and most buyers around the country are ravenous for deals right now because the market is still hot in most places and they're struggling to find deals. The competition is fierce. Like, uh, you know, a lot of times you just need more people on your buyers list. Now, I'm not one of those people that say you need 10,000 people on your buyers. Like you don't, you're not going to sell to 10,000 people. You're not going to sell to 5,000. I have 4,500. I don't sell to 4,500 people. Probably, I probably have a couple hundred, maybe even just a hundred real serious buyers. And probably if I went and looked at it, I'll bet I don't have more than a dozen or maybe two dozen people who have bought a deal from me in the last 90 days. So it's a lot of, can, it's a lot of repeat buyers and it's a small list of like super active buyers. Now I probably have 500 that would buy a deal and maybe a couple of hundred that are like really serious, like have the money ready to go, know their numbers. And, uh, and like I said, a couple of dozen, maybe less than 50 who are like making offers, showing up at our, sh at our showings and, and actually buying from me. Now I could sell more deals to more people, but my buyers list is so strong and so good and so refined that we're asking up here, right? Where most wholesalers in my market are asking here, we're asking here. And so that disqualifies a lot of a lot of buyers. But I have buyers on my list who are paying up here because they need the deals. They want the deals and they're buying from us at that price. So the deal is not as good as you think it is or your buyer's list isn't as strong as it should be. And I'll tell you a quick story. Years ago, it's, it's probably back in 2016, maybe. Uh, we, 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 in our market's pretty big, but there was a section, of, a section of our market that we would get deals, and we really only had one serious buyer in this part of my of my market. And if we got a deal, he would buy it most times. And what started happening is he he started to understand, hey, these guys don't have anybody but me in this area. And so I'm going to change my tune when they start sending me deals. I'm going to start dictating terms, dictating price, dictating everything. I'm going to assert what I want to see happen. And that's what they're going to do because I have realized I am the only person buying from, this in part, from them in this part of the market. And so I started to see this. We would send out a deal. His attitude, his demeanor, he got a little more demanding. He started even to say things like, who else are you going to sell it to? You don't have any other buyers down here. And it infuriated me. And I realized he was right. Until I grew my buyers list in that part of my market, I would always be uh, like, he would always have me over a barrel. He would always have leverage because he knew that we didn't have anybody else there. And when I realized, hey, we don't really have any bills here. It's just this guy. And he's starting to tell us how it's going to go. And it, it made me mad, really mad. And so I went on a mission for a period of time and said, I will grow my buyer's list in this part of my market come hell or high water because I will not let this guy push me around with my own deals. And I did. 
And he really hasn't bought a property from us since because we grew our buyers list in that market. And people are paying. The reason he hasn't bought one is not because I won't sell to him. It's because we we grew that part of our market so strong that people were spending way more than he wanted to spend. The competition got really, really strong. And he stopped being able to invest with us or to buy from us in that market. And so we, we sort of squeezed him out inadvertently. I didn't really mean to squeeze him out, but we did because we just built our, our buyers list up. So that is a lot of times that's the problem. You have a buyer's list that just isn't all that strong. You need more people that are serious. You need to work on that part of your buyer's list, grow your buyer's list. If it's not that, and you're like, no, 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 you don't understand. I got a great buyer's list. Like it's tons of people, tons of buyers, lots of interest, right? But this deal is not selling. You got to re-examine the deal. It might not be great. Or, you know, you just paid too much, maybe. Maybe the house is fine, but you just paid a little more than you should have. You might have to go back to your seller and renegotiate that price. So everything will sell. And in this market, especially like 10 years ago, if you were telling me this, my answer might be, man, house prices are dropping so fast. People are freaked out. Like it's hard to sell houses because it was 10 years ago. It was a little harder. In this market, mm -mm. It's like throwing meat out to the wolves. It, somebody will grab that and devour it if it's even remotely good. So those are the two things I would say. There's a lot of nuance in there, right? There's probably 12, maybe that's an exaggeration. There's probably five or six other things that could be affecting it that maybe you're doing right or wrong or maybe need to be adjusted or tweaked how you did it or what, you, what you're doing. But those are the two big levers that you can pull is the deal needs to be re-examined. It's not great. Or your buyer's list isn't awesome. Okay. Uh, you are welcome. I know I need to work on my buyer's list. Definitely. Like I've said this to many people over the years, and I think that it's true. I examined it on my own. I, I had a, a person who worked for me years ago who I let go and he was a dispo person for me. He was my dispo manager. We let him go. He downloaded and started sending stuff to it. And it, it's there's it's sort of a long, it, it is an interesting story, but I'm not going to totally get into it here. But I found out that he was doing that. Okay. And there's kind of a cool way I did that. And we can get into it another time. But I found out how he was doing it. And I confronted him. And and we had this exchange. And I, I basically convinced him it was not in his best interest to steal my buyer's list and that he should delete that buyer's list. And he did. But what I realized when all that happened was the value of my company, a wholesaling company, by the way, the value of a wholesaling company, other than if you were going to sell it, obviously the people and the processes, that's important. But the, but the real value, the asset that I have that's unique to me is my buyer's list. That's a big deal. That is a, that is a huge value in a wholesaling company. And so you a really a good, diligent, wholesaler, someone who's really serious about his business, really serious about maximizing profitability, growing, being strong and healthy and in a, in a thriving company, a really good wholesaler will spend a lot of time growing and pruning his or her buyer's list. The buyer's list is huge. And it's usually almost in, in most cases, it's undervalued or ignored by the wholesaler, by the owner of the company. Not, not because they don't care or they are purposely trying to hurt themselves. They don't even realize how important it is. They're thinking a lot about marketing and they're thinking a lot about the front-end sales, the acquisitions part. And that's good. You should think about that. But the back end of a wholesaling company is criminally ignored 
by the vast majority of wholesalers, even the ones that have had success. It, it's it's in it's proportionally ignored uh, to their detriment. And so that's a big problem that I love to talk about, but I'm not going to go on too much of a soapbox here. But you're welcome, Kyle. Good luck to you on that. Okay, Corey uh, Lawson, follow up on the wholesale question. Worth having a listing agent for sale by owner, flat fee MLS listing? Yes, it is worth having a listing agent. Uh, a flat fee MLS listing is probably the best situation, especially if you're a full-time um, real estate investor. If you're part-time, if you're working a you know 50-hour-a-week job, then I think a listing agent's appropriate because you need someone who's on it. Uh, if you're full-time, uh, then a flat fee MLS listing is probably the best way to go. For sale by owner, eh, you could try it. But I, I, again, the spirit of a wholesale deal is we don't do anything to the property. We get it on the MLS. We get as many eyes on it as humanly possible and sell it for the most we can possibly get in its current condition on the MLS. Go turn and burn. So for sale by owner, you're kind of cutting yourself. You're kind of you're kind of chopping yourself off at the knees a little bit, in my opinion. I'm not saying it wouldn't work. I'm not saying it's not a way to do it. It is, but in my opinion, since you're asking, and this is my Q and A, I say listing agent. If time is an issue for you, if you have time to answer calls and to show the house and to be on it, then flat fee listing is probably the way to go. So good question though. Okay, uh, I think we're going to cut it off for the night. Unless anybody has questions live, a follow-up question from Kyle or Corey or anybody else who's watching live uh, going once. You got to be quick because Angela behind the scenes has to post it up for me. I don't see it. Going twice, no questions. Okay, guys, I'm going to call it for the night. Uh, this was really fun, a lot, a very good one. I appreciate Corey and Kyle, you guys being here live asking questions. You're welcome, Corey. You're the man. Uh I appreciate you guys being here and asking questions live. It's a lot of fun when we do that. I love answering the questions you guys sent in, so no worries there. Uh, but I get a little energy from the folks live here asking questions back and forth because we can clarify things when you're when you're live. So thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for doing this. Again, one last time, it's a free course. It's on direct mail. I've made millions of dollars in direct mail, and I'm trying to help you guys do the same thing. And I can't do anything but create something with blood, sweat, and tears, and then just give it to you for free. That's the best I can do. I can't think of any way to make it easier for you. Go and get it. Go to MikeSimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. All right, guys. For those of you on Instagram, we'll see you. Thank you for being here. For everyone else, thank you for being here. It's been fun. I enjoyed having you, and I will see you next week. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay, until next time.